pilot. Hold it to. No. New battery. Hello? 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 I think I just need to turn it up a little bit. How's that? Better? Okay. Welcome. Guys, he will be here. So I have a few announcements to do, so we'll just take up a little time here with the announcements, okay? First off the bat is, uh, Dee Dee, is Julie here? Uh, yes, she is. Okay, get Julie. <laughs> the reason Dee Dee has to get Julie is because they have a, a, a presentation to make. President of the Sturgis Area Arts Council is going to make a presentation here. We get to do this every year, and it's so exciting. Uh, along with our membership, and of course, we're collecting membership for 2020. I can't believe it. It's already here. But we are collecting membership for 2020 at this time. So if you aren't already a member of the Arts Council, we'd love to have you join us. And along with that, you have the option of adding a donation to the library through your membership. And this year, with all of the donations from 2019, we are able to present to Miss Julie a check for $605. <laughs> I want to thank everybody who contributes and supports the library and, and however you do it. It's just wonderful and we just love our new facility and we'll put the money to good use because there's more and more things you'll need as we walk out for the future. Thank you so much. And I do have to just say one more thing because you all know that this room is here because of Dodie. You all know that, don't you? <laughs> if it weren't for the fact that she does such a wonderful job presenting these programs to a standing room used to be only audience, we would not have this room. So thank you to Dodie and thank you to the city and to everybody else who's responsible for it. It's wonderful.
and be sure to take a good look at the quilts. They'll be here through the through November, and that's a display that the quilters have put on. So be sure to take a good look at that. And uh, I have an announcement from the Historical Society that on Saturday, December seventh. David Super is going to continue his research about the sheriffs of Bean County, and he'll be giving a program here at the library at 2 p.m. on December 7th. And this is the last program for History at High Noon in 2019, but the committee has put together a beginning for 2020 in January. Uh, Tim Belter is coming back, and he has a program titled Frozen and Boiled Weather Records, 1936. <laughs> that should be fun. And uh, in February, I got too many notes. In February, Mark Kepler is going to be giving a program on the Kepler family, and I think the members of the family are going to be here to to add to that too. It's always good to have the family histories. We like them very much. And then in March, Dave Super's coming back, and he and Gene McPherson are putting a program together about music. And he said it could take two days, but I told him he only had one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got it ready now. I'm here. There you are. Thank you. Very sorry to delay everyone. I, uh, you'd think that as long as I lived here, I could find the library. Drove <laughs> <laughs> around for an hour. Um, I want to thank uh, the organization for inviting me, and uh, it's quite a it was quite a task to put it together. Hardest I've ever done because there were a lot of. Um, restaurants, cafes, and uh, so over the years it was hard. Uh, there was a lot of them, and it was a, a job to to uh, find them all. Um, long as that, it was a crippling experience. I could walk before I started. <laughs> <laughs>
I had an office next door, and I would go there to eat quite often. We we have a picture, the number two. That's the location on the bowlers say that is probably what it was like. The original bowling alley was a two-lane thing on Main Street. It was called the Brass Rail. And uh, so one, uh, one pinch header could handle the whole thing. And it had a bar in there, too. And uh, the fellow that was a village idiot before I took it uh, couldn't talk. And so once when I was some smart alley kid, catch him down in the pit and they'd roll a ball down and he'd come out with some cuss words that nobody could understand. Now <laughs> um, we move on over to uh, and where the senior citizens building is now. There was a place called Benny's, and it was George and uh, and B. Benny, and they had a hamburger shop, and uh, kids would come there at noon. At that time, we had open uh, school, so lunchtime, kids went downtown or went home, and uh, so they go to Benny's. They liked it. Then we moved. I don't have a picture of that. Oh, I, yeah, I skipped over. There was another cafe on First Street, and it was behind the uh, Northern Hills Federal Credit Union.
camp before school started. We'd go up in the up by Nemo, and uh, it was brutal practice for a week, twice a day. And Martha cooked for us. And the coach, he was beautiful, he was grouchy. <laughs> and uh, we all had some duties. I was mopping the floor, and he came by and was giving me what for about the way I was doing it. Martha said, you get out of here. Boy, no one's what he's doing. <laughs> we didn't mess with Martha, but she had a heart of gold. <laughs> so, now, now I can move on to Main Street, start on the East End, and uh, 868 Main. 1950 was American Legion Hall. And then later, I think in 1957, the VFW took it over. And the VFW was upstairs across the street over here, the hot, steepest steps in town. <laughs> and I imagine on a Saturday night when they closed up, a few fellows fell up in those stairs. There's a oh, nice one. Beauty College up there now, and I've gone up there to get my hair cut. It'll take your breath away. Fine. <laughs> then, as we move west on the south side of the street, we come to Wiggs Lunch. And uh, it was quite a place. If you ever watched Happy Days on TV, <laughs> that was Wiggs Lunch. But it was a confectionery at the start. And I know the older girls in my family, everybody took a turn working there. And Wiggs was the nickname of May Garlic's husband. And that's how they got that name. And when I was in high school, of course, she seemed old, and I believe she probably was, but <laughs> put up with a lot of stuff. So every once in a while, uh, at Mother's Day or occasions, Somebody pass the hat, then we go buy her something nice, you know, to kind of make up for all the rude stuff we were doing. <laughs> it was, uh, we had our Ponzi's. There was one guy that um, had a mustache, high school kid, and he wasn't particularly well liked. And uh, anyway, they grabbed him after school one night, took him in the restroom. Shaved off half his mustache. So, so he had to come out and everybody laughed. Pretty, pretty rude. Thought it was funny at the time. But the first thing you did was school.
there was uh, 1012 Main, the, the joint bar, which Bob Williams ran. And he had Coney Dogs and Red Beer. Yes, he did. A real treat. And the, the chili recipe, he had a chance to sell for quite a lot of money, and he wouldn't tell anybody. But uh, they were delicious. Anyway, at 1064 and a half, um, you might remember Caleb uh, Pruitt. He ran a restaurant there, 58 and 59 and 60. And uh, later on, the Fairview was moved from west down here. Um, and there was 10, ten and there was an M&E cafe there in 1946 and J&H cafe in 1948 and then M&L cafe, I remember that one. But um, whoever M was, had a lot of partners. <laughs> now we move up into the 1100 block of Main Street. <clears throat> and uh, we have a picture of McGinnis Cuthate. See the McGinn's or McGinnis, I'm not sure I have it both ways. That's the hotel. That's the next one we'll be talking about. We didn't get it in there yet. Anyway, it was a, quite a popular spot for uh, cafes, and uh, several of them were in there. Early on, there was a Wheeler's Confectionery. I knew some Wheeler's, but I don't know whether that was them. It was in the location of the old shoe repair place. Two-story stone building. It's still there. It's uh, just east of the of a block there between Wimers and Ed. And uh, so some kind of a parlor now. Get a beer and a t-shirt and whatever else. Um, but at that location, um, the D&G Cafe and the Shamrock Cafe, 1951, was run by the Lang family. I went to school with their daughter. And uh, my brother came home from the war. He bought a brand new car because the GIs had first choice. They hadn't made cars for five years. So he takes me for a ride. And he takes me to the Shamrock Cafe. And I have a burger and fries and a Coke. And I'd never tasted any of them before that. At 46, I was... Uh, I don't know how old I was, I guess, but not early grade school. Um, there was a Quinn cafe there, 
and uh, McGinn's, I think it was, in the 60s. And then, later years, um, John and Sheila Eddy started a place there, and it was called the um, Peppermint Shack. And uh, it was a teen hangout, and they even had dancing, jukebox, dance floor. And it was popular with the kids. And the last uh, restaurant uh, there was the Bear Butte Cafe, and it moved down in the outer block. And then we come to Weimers, that's it. It's a Friars coffee shop. It was a bakery and it always has been a bakery, but it wasn't always a coffee shop, it was for a long time. And uh, it's the longest standing establishment there. information on it, and they called it Eric's Bakery, Lil Weimer proprietor, so he must have bought it from Eric and kept the name until he became well-known, probably, but uh, that's quite a, quite a duration of time. He was there in 1939. You know, what's interesting I got to have a drink of water. My mouth's dry. Maybe a moment. Anyway, as I was studying the old homesteads in the early part of the 20th century, I see amongst these names, these merchants in Sturgis. I think it had been redone more than once, but uh, it, they 
dated back to 1870s. First time I saw it. In Grand. We weren't even in the town where we at that time. Anyway, there's a dining room there then.
they were good at it. And um, then we move on down to uh, number Cozy Kitchen Cafe, and it was run by Jim Haley, and he went way back in the 30s with that cafe. And it was a whole thing. It doesn't look very big, but it had a, a meeting room. They had banquets there. And, uh, you know, we have rednecks now, but I... Uh, categorized Jim Haley as a redneck, but he had a, he's a good guy. He had a, either a late 40s or an early 50s model Chevy car, and he took the trunk lid off, put a wash tub back there, and put oats in there, and that's how he fed his horse. <laughs> you'd think there'd be an easier way, but he, he was pretty inventive. But um, always when I was in sports in school, Jim Haley had volunteered his car and drove players to out-of-town games. So the, those people gave back to the community. And also in the ad, It said, uh, in the 1942 phone book, it said, uh, air conditioning. And I talked to a friend of mine niece that was in the business. said they didn't have refrigerant in 42, but uh, they had what they call a swamp cooler. And they would run cold water over a fan. And I know the Dakota Theater was like that. The whole back wall was swamp cooler on the alley side. Um, and then, if you can believe it, there was a restaurant right here where we're sitting called Molita's. Anybody remember it? I don't think it's stayed very long, but that was uh, the Hobsons also. Lolita or Lolita? Have we got an extra mic? Because if somebody has a comment, we could we get all here. I didn't hear.
stationary in there. The Soda Mountain. Kai Brothers. So they probably keeps that From there, uh, we go back to Cozy Kitchen, number 10. No, I, well, what I had was a street scene with snow piled up over your head.
I think, you know, you, the same don't have two nickels to rub together. I might have one nickel, but I never had a second one. <laughs> Once I got a part-time job downtown, then I had a lot of money and I could do some of those things. Go into weeks and buy some pie and coffee after school. Anyway, then um, we did. There were some at that location by the uh, the 10:63 main. It was a half building, and there was a pool hall in the other half, and then. Dakota Theater was next to the pool hall, and uh, it was a very popular spot. There were quite a few restaurants in there and people. Um, uh, after the Cummings, the Chat and Chew went in there with uh, John and Sheila hitting um, Reuben and Ruth Schlenker were in there, Lena Hodek. If I'd go in there to hang around, I'd always put a, uh, I think, put a nickel in the jukebox. I'm not sure, but, but I'd play something Lena liked. <laughs> you know, not my choice, and, and she liked me for that. <laughs> kind of fun being a city street rat or whatever I was. I, could I work downtown? Worked in uh, the Chevy Agency across the street from the hotel there, bank now, that Mr. Allen's building, the big building. And my first job, I was seventh grader, school got out, and we got two feet of wet, heavy snow. And for two days, I was up on top of that building shoveling the snow off because of. They, they didn't, they had pretty flat roofs. In fact, the gamble store didn't give it. But anyway, uh, I spent a lot of time down on the street. Barber shop was over at the hotel, George Charity. Uh, and he's giving me a haircut, and they had a clipper, you know, that hold it up a certain height for the style we were wearing then, and he's talking to somebody, and the clipper falls off, and he just skins me, but <laughs> I, I didn't care. It wasn't any problem to me, and, uh, but he sent me over to the J.C. Penney store, which is there where the hotel is now, and, and buy a cap and sign his name for it. <laughs> A lot of interesting folks then. then. I don't know who they're going to use for characters now. <laughs> Me, I suppose. <laughs> and then we move on east down to uh, to number 12, 1039. I know, I'm 
was um, I missed the most interesting spot there. It was Carl's Confectionery. <laughs> Carl Woman was a big man, and I'm I'm sure he was probably an athlete when he was young, and um, he would do the same as Jim Haley. He would volunteer his car to take players to out of town games, and he had an accident coming home, probably from a winter highway and basketball time, and uh, and he got hurt. And I don't know that any kids did, but Carl always bobbed his head after that and uh, had some nerve damage. Well, anyway, one of our punk kids was in there in his place. His confectionery, Carl. Carl made his own ice cream. I love those people, Grace and Carl, but there's this punk kid in there, and he was chewing the back, and he spit on the floor. And Carl just slapped the way out of him. <laughs> and he was the son of an important individual in town. Carl didn't care. Then he made him sweep the whole floor and threw him out. Grace would make malts in a metal container put them on a mixer. Then she'd take it down, pour it in a glass. The glass was full. Then she'd set that on the counter there, so you always knew you had more coming than what was in the glass. She was clever. But um, they were there a long time, up, uh, up in the late 50s, I think, from the 30s. And uh, then another Carl took over, Carl Meal, had a family and a girl worked there. And then, believe this or not, a blind man ran it. And he, I'm sure his wife was there all the time, but if she had to leave for some reason, Can't I'm she sure those kids stole him blind. I had my gas station down here where Bob Bertolotto's office is. And it was a wintry night. It was dark already. And I went down there to NAPA store to get some parts before they closed. And this man was out in the middle of the street. The snow was blowing from every direction, so he didn't know for sure where he was going. So I picked him up and took him home. He just looked down the way. And, um, and then there was another family in there, the Schieffers, Ted Schieffer. His son runs the Yamaha dealership out here. That was a popular spot. You could, the theater was there. And so you'd stop at Carl's and get a handful of penny candy. And you had enough left, get some popcorn, and then buy your ticket. And I hate to admit this, but you could do it all for 25 cents. <laughs> we lived on the edge of town, and this old man left neighbors, and uh, he was crippled. And uh, I would haul his wood in and everything else out that needed to be emptied. 
and he'd give me 25 cents every Friday. <laughs> so I'd go to the movies and blow it. Blow it all. <laughs> I won't tell the other story. Well, maybe I should. I was smart mouth seventh grader and, and uh, I asked Dad if I go to the movies and he said, I don't know why you should. You haven't done a thing I've asked you to do all week. And so I turned around my back to him and I gave him the finger. Well, I forgot. There was a mirror there. <laughs> Dad had a soccer kick. He'd bring his foot up sideways and left your car off the floor. And I believe that's the last time I ever gave him any trouble. <laughs> so now, now we get to pick out location. And that was a restaurant for a very long time. Um, let's see, it started out started out Sturgis Cafe in 1949 and 50 then Vaden's Coffee Shop 1953 and Irene's Cafe 1954 and that was Irene Limbo you probably know Emma filling around in her mail truck she's still delivering mail she must be get close to 80. Um, then the state, they started calling the Steakhouse Cafe in 1956. And uh, then it was the JNL Cafe. That was Johnny and Laverne Johnstone. And before that, they had run the Philtown restaurant. Laverne worked for me. She was a nice lady. Um, and then after that, it was Bob's family restaurant. He was there for 20 years, mm -hmm. 1979 to 99. So that's pretty good duration. But Bob is a very good businessman, and he knows what he's doing. And uh, he was good to his customers. He had kind of a grouchy old uh, waitress. <laughs> I said, why do you keep her around, Bob? And he uh, he said, well, she's going to get to come down at 5 o'clock every morning and open up. She did. She was very faithful. I, I had the gas station, and I would go over there to eat. And they had what they called a cheeseburger steak. It was a layer of meat, layer of cheese. More meat, more cheese. And I'm eating there, and the place is full of people. And I could feel something in my throat. And I reached in and got a hold of it, and it was a plastic wrapper off the cheese. <laughs> and it wasn't the first time it happened. And I, I was angry, and I, the owner was sitting in the back booth. And uh, I said, I yelled back and said, a goat couldn't eat this food. And then I really felt stupid because I knew everybody in there. The man was a friend of mine. It wasn't Bob. That was before that. But um, anyway, 
I guess what made me angry was I called the waitress over and told her what went on, and she said, oh, there's no extra charge for that. <laughs> but I, ne I never quit going there. <laughs> so then, now we'll start over on uh, on uh, Junction Avenue, number 13, guy, Richard. Um, I helped I help guys put this together a little bit, and um, can you go back to the slide that shows Main Street? Because I wanted to tell him that he missed the story. Oh, keep going back. Yeah. Anyway, that one right there. You told me about there's a restaurant on both sides of the street there. Can you, did you see those? Yeah. It, uh, it was Brunner Cafe.
then there was a location where the dentist's office is on Junction, and it was Mrs. Poznanski's. And uh, they tore the building down when when they built the dental office. It was there on the corner, and uh, she cooked in her house for people. The next location going south was A and W Red Bear, and it had gone in early 50s. It was through. It was there in the 70s still. Jim Wallace ran it, started that building, and did a good job with with kids. Really good root beer, and then they started having roasted chicken, and wow. I fall in love with that. <laughs> Couldn't stay away. And they they advertised like seating for twenty four people inside. So it was, they had curb service, but they also fed inside. A lot of kids grew up working. How many people here worked in a restaurant? When I was a grade school kid, I scraped gum off the floor of the wake lunch on Sunday morning. And then we, our next location on Junction was the old courthouse, and probably most people wouldn't remember the court family living there, but uh, it's a two-story house. And it sits where the bailiff had for the hospital is now. And uh, they, I, I guess you could call it fine dining, you know. And they painted the house black. That, that got your attention when you went by. You remember that, don't you? Then the next location would be where Jim Bones is on the outside of the street. And uh, Leo Wakefield owned, owned that property. And he built a drive in there and he called it Gas and Go. And uh, he was there for a while and then he started renting it out to different people. The Sunburst Drive-In was there. East Tennis. Uh, he started that and then later uh, called it Aces. And let's see. That was there in the 70s. And uh, I believe it ended up being Mom's Cafe before the present. Establishment. <clears throat> and you go across the street to Harmon and Junction, which is the uh, Conoco station that sits there on it. And um, it's called Quickmart. 
And the first one to go in, that's the drive-in, was uh, Dog and Suds. That was started by Ted Williams and his wife, Miriam. She was uh, Dr. Jones' nurse. And then Stanley Teller was there for a while, and then I think it was still called Dog and Suds. And I'd drive up there and eat my lunch. And finally, one day I said, Stanley, need to change your grease. Everything I order tastes like fish. <laughs> so he did. He wasn't offended by it. Um, then after that, it was a four-winds drive-in. And that was started by Jim and Ina Sherman. My daughter, Gyla, worked there when she was going to high school. They were good to her, good people. Um, and then, number 18, it's a Philip 66 truck stop restaurant. And that was started by the Singleton family, uh, either late 40s or early 50s. Because I remember saying, let's go to Singleton's, because they stayed, stayed open 24 hours. I was quite a thing to have happen uh, in a town like this. You know, you could dance till two and go have breakfast. <laughs> um, and then after after the Federal Protection restaurant, uh, it became Federal Protection Video brand that. And then Back across the street again uh, was Enchiladas, where we talked with John says now. And uh, David McPherson I think probably the grand opening of the restaurant. 
chances are what it was. But the difference now would be it would be pickup trucks and horse trailers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I remember a kid just saw a neighbor on the farm came by with a brand new pickup. And everybody oohed and odd and then he left. And Dad said, why would you want a pickup truck? <laughs> Can't haul eggs in town or groceries home. You know, you drove your car in town and the saddle horse across the prairie. <laughs> but I, I know in my real estate days calling on ranches, it'd be three or four big pickups, big diesel pickups out there fixing fence. You know? So they've become a real tool for people. I loved that sale barn when I was a kid. I'd go there on sale day and crawl, crawl under the bleachers and lie in the sawdust. It's quite a, another story about that. They would sell mares and give the colts away. And we lived on the edge of town, so we had a barn. And so I took this colt home. And it was ugly. Roman nose way back, block headed, you know. And Dad was really upset. Not at the horse, but he had a something so dumb that he would do something like that.
location. Started by voters, and it was where the South Side car wash was. And uh, that was Glover Bill, the drive-in restaurant. And they called it Glover's. And then when I was in high school, uh, Chet Worth, the teacher, coach,
young, young Jim Forbes and his folks both uh, worked there. And it was, uh, it was well known for roast chicken. And so if you had company come to town, you could load them up and go up there and, uh, and have a fine meal. And they had a bear out front, so the tourists enjoyed that. And, uh, and that's about it. the end of my report. I, one thing about it, they had a lounge and served drinks, and I, I, I knew Doris Forbes all my life. Went to church with her, and I thought she's not, she's not the right person to run a lounge. <laughs> I would have liked to have it here with my roasted chicken, but I was afraid to order it. <laughs> she, she would bring it because most of the kid waitresses were underage. But that's uh, that's all I have. And I thank you for putting up with me. Thank you. 